Yesterday afternoon at his press conference, Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell laid out the 2008 style scenario that I've been talking about quite a lot, quite a lot recently. But then after putting out both parts of that scenario, he walked right into the same trap that his predecessors in 2008 had actually made. And it seems as if a lot of people are willing to follow him into that trap. A lot of markets and other positions that are going to make the same mistake, even though it's all right here in front. Of, if the Fed can see it, even if they can't put the two pieces together, but they can see the two pieces, you should see the two pieces too. What are those two pieces? Well, the 2008 style scenario is not a repeat of 2008. It is the, in general terms, the combination of a bad economy, maybe a recession economy, that gets hit by a bout of serious deflationary money. Whether that leads to bank failures or not doesn't actually matter. Those are, sim those are symptoms of the wider problem. You put those two things together, that's when a bad situation becomes a catastrophe. Something really bad like 2008. In fact, you just use the term 2008. You just say the year that's what comes to mind because it wasn't about subprime mortgages it was the combination of deflationary money and bad economy together making the worst of all world now here's what jay powell said yesterday he said of course at his press conference in his prepared remarks he began by acknowledging that hey there was a little bit of a hiccup here in the banking system in the past two weeks, serious difficulties at a small number of banks have emerged. History has shown that isolated banking problems, were they isolated? If left unaddressed, can undermine confidence in healthy banks and threaten the ability of the banking system as a whole to play its vital role in supporting the savings and credit needs of households and businesses. That's exactly it. That's the deflationary money. The deflationary money causes the banking system to retreat deprive the global economy the the real economy of credit and money it needs to un, to undertake the same levels of commerce activity hiring employment everything in the real economy that we needed to do that's why powell said in response to these events the federal reserve working with the treasury department fdic took decisive actions to protect the u.s economy and to strengthen public confidence in our banking system well that's it Public confidence isn't the problem. If you look at what's going on in the money markets themselves, it's not really about the public. It's about the monetary system itself. So recognizing that there's a risk of what he says, isolated bank problems when this is a systemic problem, what he, what he then goes on to sort of, well, yes, we, we understood that there's banking problems over here, but have you seen the economy? It is in a really good place. So even if this bank stuff does become somewhat of an issue, look at the damn unemployment rate. We're doing really fine. Here's what, the, here's what he said. Nearly all participants see the risk to GDP growth is weighted to the downside, recognizing the risks of this credit thing becoming a bigger thing. Yet, Powell con uh, continued, the labor market remains extremely tight. Job gains have picked up in recent months with, un with employment rising by an average of 351,000 jobs per month over the last three months. The unemployment rate remained low in February at 3.6%. 
The labor force participation rate has edged up in recent months and wage growth has shown some signs of easing, as if that's a great thing. However, job vacancies still remain very high. Labor demand substantially exceeds the supply of available workers. Labor shortage, massive labor shortage. How can we have a recession, Janet Yellen asked last month, when we have a massive labor shortage? The unemployment rate is low. So even if there's stuff going on in the banking system, which maybe spills over and we don't actually have covered, the unemployment rate suggests the economy is doing so well, we have enough of a cushion to withstand the blow from the banking system. That, my friends, is the 2008 trap. Falling for the unemployment rate is some kind of protection against what is more serious, more dangerous, and more realistic problems that will eventually destroy the unemployment rate too. So we're going to examine the 2008 trap in some, some, some detail here today because I think it's that important, especially as, as again, Jay Powell admitted yesterday in his press conference, we've got the two parts of the 2008 style scenario. Even the Fed can see those two things. He just doesn't believe they're going to come together and create that scenario. But he's just falling into the same trap that they made the last time. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Euro Dollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If you're interested, we have memberships available at the Euro Dollar University website where we go into details behind the monetary system, what the monetary system is really like, and it's nothing like what you're taught in the textbooks. We have research subscriptions where we go over not just the the daily ins and outs of macroeconomic data, what's going on in market curves, what's important about those. A deep dive analysis that I do at the Eurodollar University website, which is diving deep into all of these things. How did we get in the situation? What does the current data market changes tell us? And what does that mean for the future? So memberships, research subscriptions, all the information at Eurodollar.University. Since we're talking about the 2008 style scenario and the 2008 trap, we should go back once again to 2008. Again, we're not repeating 2008. It's the general outline, the general comparisons that we're interested in because in a very big picture sense, there's a lot here that's familiar. There's a lot of things going on that look very similar. So even though we're not looking for Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers Part 2 here, we are looking for the deflationary money that those are a symptom of at the same time we have a very weak and weakening economy that policymakers are telling the public isn't weak at all in fact they say over and over again look at the unemployment rate look at the labor shortage look at this company and that company look at everything the economy seems to be doing fine when in the middle between those things we have these massive markets, these curves telling us these two things, the deflationary money scenario, deflationary economy, are going to collide. It's going to happen. Now that, it's, now that we're on this collision course, we need to be, understand what's going on. We need to prepare for it. Meanwhile, policymakers would have you fall into the same trap that they're already sprung on themselves. They have already sprung on themselves. So we're going to go to September 2007. This is again the FOMC meeting. At the time, we had the policymakers realized that things were the economy was a bit weaker than they wanted it to be. So they were going to vote on a 50 basis point rate cut, which would be the first rate cut 
in what would become a rapid series of them. And I mean rapid, really rapid, especially when you get into early 2008, just as the markets had predicted. But while the Fed is cutting rates here, they're talking themselves into, well, do we really need to do this? It seems like it's more out of caution, an abundance of caution than actual need. And we're going to start with Richard, Richard Fisher. Richard Fisher, who was downplaying all the events up until that point, because remember, August 9th of 2007, what became the global monetary crisis of 2008-2009 actually began on August 9th. So here we are in February, February 2007. The crisis has already begun, even if policymakers were only looking at it from a perspective that said, maybe it's not that big of a deal. So here's Richard Fisher, Dallas Fed's president laying out the 2008 trap absolutely perfectly. So bear with me for just a minute here. AT&T, for example, a local but significant company says, we've had the best quarter we've had on the consumer side. And on the business side, it's the hottest August in history. Their average revenue per user has risen the past two quarters after declining for the past two and a quarter years. Texas Instruments, an international company reports continued growth on the consumer side, robust industrial growth. I'm quoting their CFO and strong industrial demand is struggling to meet demand. Just go to the other extreme. Brinker International is a middle income restaurant chain that employs 120,000 operates throughout the country. Other than weakness in Southern California and Florida, traffic increases in July and August seasonally adjusted were the best in 12 months. Walmart reports according to the CEO for U.S. operations, that August was a perfect retail month. Company after company after company saying things are absolutely fine. Back to Fisher. Disney reports record attendance in their theme parks, very high advanced bookings through next spring, that would be 2008, and very strong broadcasting revenues. We're hearing the same for other broadcasters and companies like Time Warner. And needless to say, Exxon is a very happy place right now. Yeah. Sounds familiar there too. Uh, the CEO of MasterCard reports a softening, but nothing falling off a cliff. See, the economic data, the anecdotes that they're using say, yes, the economy is slowing down a little, but there's maybe some stuff going on in the markets, but that's way over there. There's nothing more than a slowdown way over here. And guess what? The labor market is blistering. Back to Mr. Fisher. It's also very important, Mr. Chairman, to think about how people react to what they're seeing. There's no doubt an effort, if you're worried about the future, to tighten up on the cost of goods sold and to reduce your headcounts. Yet, everybody is complaining that there's a massive shortage of labor in every one of the companies I spoke to but one. So according to Fisher's view, and this is a view widely shared throughout the not just the FOMC, but economists, media personalities, basically the entire establishment, for lack of, a letter, lack of a better term, everybody said, well, yeah, there's stuff going on in the markets. We don't really understand what's going on, which should have been, hey, we don't really understand it. Maybe we should pay more attention to it. Instead, they said, will you look at this labor shortage? Will you look at these big companies who are saying everything is just grand and great? Let's ignore this because this sounds so much better. We don't understand this. We do understand this. But this stuff over here, including the unemployment rate, that's all backward looking. That's not forward looking. That doesn't tell you about what's coming. What's coming is in 
this bucket over here. That stuff we don't understand, the systemic money marketplace, that's going to impact the future, not this stuff over here and the unemployment rate. As Fisher said in September 2007, he didn't want to vote for a 50 basis point rate cut. He wanted only 25, and even that he was on the fence about. He said, the point is that the economy is not grinding to a halt. I want to mention again that we're hearing widespread reports of labor shortages. And I do worry, Dave, Dave being the economist, that it somehow just doesn't square. I think your report certainly was elucidating, but it does have implications for how fast consumption can fall off if indeed we're suffering from a labor shortage. Again, the unemployment rate. The unemployment rate sounds like not only are companies in huge demand for workers, because they're in huge demand for workers, workers are gonna be able to spend, 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 no matter what happens, in the financial economy or banking or dare i say the credit crunch because that's that's really the leading edge of how this monetary difficulty begins to impact the real economy as the monetary system causes all the stuff we associate now with bear stearns the de-risking building cash cushions as those things happen they're pulling back on their portfolio expansion lending less creating fewer securities doing less risky activities that eventually has an impact in the real economy so the 2008 style trap is to downplay that stuff and to overplay the labor shortage and say that's protection if this other stuff in the financial economy gets out of hand, we have a large margin of error because look at all this demand for, it's a labor shortage. Therefore, the economy, even if it does slow down a little bit, will never slow down more than a little bit. That's the trap. It's both financial as well as economic because the financial stuff, the credit crisis, the credit crunch, ends up having more than just an impact on the real economy directly in consumer spending and credit. It also disrupts financial markets. Now, opposing Richard Fisher was, believe it or not, a woman by the name of Janet Yellen. Now, she was falling into the 2008-style trap, too, but at least she was a little bit more realistic about the downside impact of all this financial stuff, which in September 2007 had already become very serious. But before we get to Janet Yellen, I want to make one more point from Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher said, again, September 2007, if you take the summary offered by the CEO of Time Warner, who also sits on a significant bank board, as many people know, he says, I see softness, but not precipitous change. Whereas the bank board I sit on keeps yelling, incoming. From a Main Street perspective, he said that the changes are marginal. Again, the 2008 trap. The banks are saying, hey, this is getting really bad. We're sweating bullets here. But as the CEO of Time Warner, Time Warner says, our business is okay. We don't really see anything to worry about. One of those two is forward-looking. And guess which one the Fed and most of the public chose to depend upon, not the forward-looking stuff, which is what Janet Yellen was cautioning against before then not taking her own advice, as many of these people do. They see the downside risk, but then they see it as only possible downside risk when we have this sterling unemployment rate to focus our attention on the positive aspects or what we think are the positive aspects. Here's Yellen, September 2007, same meeting, 
we could take a wait and see approach to the financial shock because it was a financial shock. It was a monetary shock. Incorporating its impact on our growth forecast only after we observe its imprint in the spending data. That's the trap. But such an approach would be misguided and fraught with hazard because it would deprive us of the opportunity to act in time to forestall the likely damage. Exactly. This is 2023 in a nutshell. This means we must do our best to assess the likely effect of the shock. The simplest approach is to rely on our usual forecasting models, the simplest but incorrect approach. As she then goes on, their forecasting models are incomplete at best, and in reality, they're just complete crap. However, as David emphasized in our remarks, the shock has not affected to any great extent the financial variables that are included in our macro models. They have the wrong variables in their models. That's part of the 2008 trap too. We ignore the financial variables that told us this thing was coming. And then when it, once it's here, we still ignore them about what it's going to mean because we have this unemployment rate. And because of all this stuff that's lurking beneath the surface in the real economy, in the banking system, has it impacted the actual data or the assumptions that go in these models? We do take, we by we, I mean the Fed officials and the public and the stock market, they all take this wait and see approach. That is the trap, that's the trap. So there are, we have the problem. We know that these things are going on in 2023. Obviously they're going on in 2023. We talked about first, you know, early last year, there was a growth scare. Then there was the technical recession. And then there was a slowdown. And then there's recession risks to begin this year. So as Jay Powell said at his press conference yesterday, nearly all participants see the risks to GDP growth as weighted to the downside. So there's half of our 2008 style scenario right there. We have an economy that's at least in a less than perfect, less than good position. It's actually in relatively rough shape. If even the Fed's admitting downside risks, it's not good at all. So we have half the formula right there. And then the other half is what happens if we have a deflationary outburst that impacts credit? Here's Jay Powell from yesterday. We believe, however, that events in the banking system over the past two weeks are likely to result in tighter credit conditions for households and businesses, which would in turn affect economic outcomes. Even the Fed sees both parts of the 2008 style scenario right now. What they're saying is they won't come together because in between we have this major unemployment rate, this awesome unemployment rate. We have a labor shortage when they said all the same things in 2008. Heading into 2008, and as I mentioned repeatedly recently, multiple times in 2008, because they had fallen so far into the 2008 trap, they could not find their way out. Markets, on the other hand, are absolutely certain these two things are already colliding if they haven't already and the outcome is not going to be good we are going to suffer substantial damage look at the curves today after yesterday's fiasco if you ask me you've got euro dollar futures downward sloping between the april and june it's slightly negative which suggests there's a more than realistic chance 
of rate cuts beginning before the we end the half this half of the year and then from june to september it's minus 43 from september to december minus 32. so by the time we're even getting to 2024 the market is saying there's a good chance we got one one and a half two percent of rate cuts it's all the probability distributions and the chances of having zero rate cuts is practically zero the 2008 style scenario is already here even the fed sees it what they don't see is them those two parts getting put together that the market sees already been done don't fall into the same trap i'm jeff this is Eurodollar university thank you very much for joining me as always huge enormous thank you to all of our Eurodollar university members as well as the research subscribers and until next time Take care.